This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Yes, sure, we do come and we do. Maybe you like the worship music and maybe you like the people that's hanging around you. And maybe you like the preaching. Maybe you like the coffee. You know, there's something that draws. But, but ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit that places you, that places you in a household. And the Bible is interesting. There are many metaphors where, where the apostles, where Peter and Paul try to explain to the people what's the nature of the church and what is the purpose of the church. And they use metaphors like family. They use metaphors like a building. They, they use metaphors like um, you are God's house. You are God's temple. And it's interesting, the metaphors that they, that they use, it's always a measure of interdependence. It's never just one. You can't build a house with one brick. You can't plant a forest with one tree. You can't have a family when it's only you. A family constitutes at least two people. It starts off with two people. And then it can, of course, expand. And then the Lord says, you know, what does the Lord do with the solitary? What, do the, what does the Lord do with the ones and the twos? It says the, in Psalm 68, verse 6, it says, in one translation, it says, the Lord places the solitary in families. It's not the solitary look for families. It's like the Lord knows where he wants to put you. The Lord knows where He wants to place you. And He finds a family that's perfect for you. Hear me? I didn't say He finds a perfect family. He finds a family that's perfect for you. And He places us. He places us carefully. He decides where He wants to add us. Because He has called us out. But now He says, okay, what am I going to do with Jan? Okay, Jan and Wendy are staying in Wellington, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place them in a family called Chauffeur Wellington. And my heart for them is that when I plant them in that family, is that they're going to flourish there. There is something that they're going to receive in that family, but there's also something in them that they need to bring to that family. And it's interesting the words that the Lord adds, or the Lord plants, or the Lord settles people the esv says the lord settles the the lonely in a family so and let's quickly go to psalm 92 we're going to read a portion of scripture there i'm going to read from verse 12 the righteous flourish like a palm tree, and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They, talking about the righteous, they are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are, even, they are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. So when God plants us, it's not because God wants to limit us. Sometimes people think, you know, if God places me in a specific church, in a, 
specific local expression of the church. But you know, God, I, I, I really want to be part of the whole body of Christ. And you get people that think that they're just part of the universal church. But I want to say to you that God places the solitary in families. And there's nothing wrong with visiting other churches. There's nothing wrong with, with visiting other expressions. But you know, you've got to know where your home is. Because that's where God settles you. And God doesn't do that to limit you, but God knows that that is the only viable way for you to grow and to grow over time. I know we live in a world of one-minute noodle and, sorry, two-minute noodles and one-minute oats, and we want everything yesterday, and we don't think anymore because we have Google. You know, we don't wander about questions for longer than two seconds then somebody Googles us and gives us a Wikipedia answer that we're never sure whether it's right or wrong. But we seem to have all the answers to life and everything in the palm of our hand, literally. And sometimes we, we don't understand the value. And maybe, maybe that's one of the things, one of the beautiful things of growing older is that you start to realize the value of a diligence and a, a work over time. A work over time. You know, who of you know that trees don't grow overnight? We are in such a hurry. We, we go to the guys on the Somerset West Road and we want to buy a big tree. I remember we wanted a shade tree and I didn't want to wait. And so I just thought, man, I'm just going to look for a tree that nobody wants and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig, dig a hole around it and I made a big hole around it and we somehow dragged it out and I stuck it in the ground and for two days it was wonderful. I mean, we had an instant tree and I didn't have to pay 18,000 bucks for it. And then slowly but surely, it died. And people said, you can prune it right back and I pruned it and it later it looked like a stick. There was nothing left and it died. And then I heard from a guy who's like a tree guy or what? What, what do you call tree guys? Okay, that guy. I asked him, and apparently he said, if a tree is that big, I actually had to see in what direction did it face. And I had to sort of position it in exactly the north, south, east, west. I had to do all that. And, you know, sometimes we're in such a hurry. And God says, I want to plant you in a house. I want to plant you in a house where you can grow. And he, and he uses the... He uses a palm tree that's like a fast grower and very fruitful. And then he also uses a cedar, which is like a slow-growing, massive tree that sometimes takes generations to grow. And who of you, if uh, you had a prophetic word from the Lord and the Lord would just say to you, well, I just want to encourage you, this is going to take around about 30 years to develop. It's like, yeah. Can I have another one? Can I have a quick one, God? Because we so desperately want something that's quick and easy. And the Lord uses this terminology. Families. Families isn't just me and myself. It's, it's over generations. One generation to another generation. And it, there's something about the richness that develops over time that we don't have. Or we don't want to have. Eugene Peterson wrote a beautiful book about the challenges of true discipleship in the 21st century where everything is so rushed. And he, the name of the book is, it's a really good read. It's a long obedience in the same direction. 
And so, you know, that's sometimes what it is, serving God and serving God in our own household. What's so precious to us, I remember when we planted the church, in, when we planted a church in Wellington about 22 years ago, I mean, our kids were small. And the other day, our kids were singing in the worship team. Our, our son is in Stellenbosch here, and, and uh, what was so great for us is like when, when he came to Stellenbosch, uh, he worked at, at coffee shops and works at Thule now, and, uh, and I asked him, so Vian David, where are you, are you going to come to show for, you know, because like, we show for you. And I said, but son, you've got to ask God, where does God want to have me? Because sometimes we decide where you want to grow. You've really got to ask, God, where do you want to plant me? Now, with all my heart, I want my son, I wanted my son to, I actually wanted him to stay in Wellington and, and minister with me and travel the world with me. That's actually what I want to do. But you know, he came to me and he said, Dad, I, I visited and I love what God is doing here. And he's got a lot of friends here as well. And, and, and there's this little church plant here in Stellenbosch by all peoples, uh, a couple of crazy Americans and Mexican and Americans, and they've planted a church. And he said, Dad, when I walked in, it felt like home. And I think that's the thing that we've got to because we've got to be planted, but sometimes you've got to find a church, and you've got to find a home, and you've got to find leaders that you can submit to. And we really don't see the beauty of being part of a spiritual family. In a spiritual family where, where the Lord has placed us, where we can with conviction say, this is not my idea. This is not where this is. I enjoyed here, but this, didn't, this was not initiated by me. I was simply following the Lord and say, God, where do you want to add me? And where you add me, where you plant me, I know if I am planted by the Lord in that place, here is a promise, says they are planted in the house of God. And where do they flourish? In the courts of God. And the courts of God often speaks about the presence of God, the manifest presence of God. That it speaks about sometimes of the temple. It's sometimes spoken of the temple, of the courts of God. And so who of you wants to flourish in the courts of God? Who of you want to be found in the presence and understand the presence of God and what it means to dwell in the presence of God and to be able to commune with God? And that is why God has the local church. God does not have the local church. We can see how many bums he can put on seats on a Sunday morning, how many people that he can really get on a small group on a Wednesday night. You know, as if that is why Jesus came. Like, for I have come that you might have meetings and have them more abundant. No, it's like Jesus truly came because he understands the power of family. And firstly and foremostly, I believe that of all the, of all the metaphors that is described out, Jesus and the apostles and God describes the church, this is going to be the prevailing one. It's the one that actually was from the beginning where God introduces himself as a father and introduces Jesus as his son, as a family. And I truly believe that the more we think of church as a family, the easier church becomes. It's like, a while, you know, sometimes who of you have been in some kind of leadership in church? home group leader, district leader. Who of you have found out that there's easier jobs in the world like neuroscience and 
rocket science. You know, sometimes people can be complex. People can really be complex. And one day they're growing and the next day they're not. And I've been in ministry for, for a couple of years and I've realized that working with people, you, you somehow never start and finish. Because we're always busy. We're always busy. You know, I'm growing. The person that I'm discipling is growing. The people that we're leading, they're growing. They're struggling. Then, they, then they're thriving and flourishing. Then they're struggling with stuff. And people that were doing great yesterday were doing, are not doing so great today. So what I've done now on Mondays is I buy the, the newspaper and I take the Sudoku and I finish it because I know that's the only thing I'll start and finish this week. So, and it's very important that you do the Monday morning one because they've actually very good. On Monday morning in the burger, they have a kafdraf. It means it's an easy one. So you can really start and finish it. But I warn you, if you don't get the Monday one right, better pray for the rest of the week. But you know, when we work with people and when we are, are, are in a family, who of you, who of you are in families? Who of you, who are you in are in perfect, perfectly functioning families? Liar, pants on fire. The reason why your family is not perfect is because you there. The others might be perfect. You know, so sometimes even if God places us in families, it's not, it's not good enough that we are placed in a family, but it's, it's that we realize that when God places us in a family, there is a way that we need to live and commune and fellowship and communicate inside of a family. So there are many people, if you ask them, you know, what, what church do you attend? And they will tell you, oh, show for... Uh, Show for Stellenbosch, I will tell you, CRC or whatever, Dutch Reformed Church. And they will tell you that they attend that church. But does that truly mean that they are a fully functioning member of that family? Does it mean they, they bring who they are? They bring the gift, the beautiful gift that they are. The beautiful gift of God that they are to that family. You know, when we, when we held our first little baby, so, oh, she's such a beautiful gift. And then she caused us no sleep almost two years, and she was, but she was still a beautiful gift to our family. And, and whenever God adds you to a family, it's because he realizes that that family that he adds you to needs something that you have. And if you don't bring that, that means that that family is going to be poorer because you don't bring who you are. Who of you have teenage children? you should be old enough. I think this is what we're about the oldest guys in the room here. So, so at one stage, my, my teenage daughter, that's much better now, is that she, she really thought that our reason for existence as a family was to serve her, was to, to look after every whim and every need and every desire. She, she truly felt that that was why we existed. And sometimes I would just ask her in a moment, Monia, just stand still and uh, is the world turning? She said, no. I said, exactly. It's not turning around you. It's, it's not all about you. It's a, and in our teenage years, we, in our immaturity, we sometimes think, you know, when we come to a church, we think, man, the church has got to give me something. I come here every Sunday and I go to Wednesday meetings because I want something. Give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. I just want to take, take, take. 
But you know, if you want to be a good family member, it means that you must give and take. So when God adds you and plants you in a house, He knows that the soil in the house that you plant, that He plants you in, is perfect for your flourishing. And that is why God places you in a family. He wants you to flourish. But the thing about, if you look at all the metaphors of the church, it's the planting and then there's the soil. You plant something in soil. You, when you have a family, you have a husband and a wife. When you have a building, you have at least two bricks relating to one another. Positioned, aligned in a specific way for a specific reason. So whenever God speaks about church, it's almost this, the one needs the other. When, even when God made, because in the Bible we also call the body of Christ. And Paul in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians alludes to this where he says, We are many membered and, and everyone has his own part, but this body has the ability to grow up and actually grow up by itself in love as each one supplies what it needs to supply. So even when God created our bodies, there are, I think, nine, seven or nine circuits or systems that it's like your blood, it's your endocrine system, and I can't remember all the others, but there's a lot. And each of them have a very specific function. Each of them have a couple of organs, and each organ has a couple of cells, a couple of million cells, and they need to do something. And if they do what they do well, my body does well. And they actually need one another. So the blood, the, the respiratory system that you, that you breathe with and your circulatory system where the blood flows, they need one another. It's not like you can choose, you know. Who of you, if you could choose, would you give up your heart or your lungs? Some of you are thinking about that. The answer is none. You, you'll die. <laughs> but each one of these, when God made us, He made us in a way that we have different members and different stuff happening, and all these things need to work together. And if they do not function properly, there's something wrong. By faith, I'm saying that I have a pancreas. But my pancreas is a problem. At some stage, my pancreas said, I'm not going to do what a pancreas does. I'm going to stop producing insulin. Now, it might be that I ate too much sugar as well. So maybe it's just reacting to me. But it happened nevertheless. And now I sit with a situation called type 2 diabetes that either my body doesn't produce enough insulin or... It's resistant to the insulin that it does produce. So somewhere in my body, there is a dysfunction, which is causing, if I don't control it with medication and good exercise and good eating, I'm, I'm doing well at one of the three. I am taking my meds. Okay. And of course I'm praying. I should say that as a good Christian. But because something in my body is not working well, is not functioning properly, my body has a problem. Now, I'm not dying. I'm not being completely, completely disabled because of it. Now, long term, it might have more consequences if the, if the Lord doesn't heal me, but I believe He will. And, but because something is not operating in my body, it has an adverse effect on the rest of my body. So... As you are described of the, as the body of Christ, and Paul describes you in the book of Corinthians and Ephesians, says, 
you are many members. There are many members to this body. And each of them has a very specific function. And these body parts are not to compete with one another. They are not to compare one with another. Who's the most important? What is the most important? What's the most important, your heart or your lungs? You know, what's the most important, your ears or your eyes? It says that they are of equal value because they have a very specific function. And when they function well, as each one brings what they have been made and created to do, the body functions well. And it's the same. It's exactly the same in the church. If there are body parts or organs or cells or circuits in the body that shut down, they have an adverse effect on the body. That's why the Word of God says if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers, and if one part rejoices, the whole part rejoices. So I want to I wanna use this opportunity to really to ask of you that you would bring who you are. Now you might think, sit here tonight and say, Oh, but Jan, I don't really know the Bible, and I don't really pray enough, and I don't know as much as Lo, and I don't know as much as, to, uh, as Tobias. And, but, you know, that's, it's not about that. The Word of God, Paul says, do not compare yourself one amongst another. It is not good. Have you also found that when you compare yourself, you do one of two things. You either compare yourself to someone that you think is better off than you, and then you feel disgruntled or inferior or you compare yourself to someone that's little less less than you or less fortunate and sometimes you're filled with pride but the word of god says don't compare god has made you god has made you and if god has planted you in this house there is something valuable extremely valuable that you have that this body needs so when you go to a home cell when you go to a small group, whatever you call it, when you come to a meeting like this, your first thing should not be, well, I'm being faithful in attendance. I want to tell you my pancreas is in attendance. Well, I think so. I haven't cut myself lately to see, but I'm, I'm, I think I have one. They are in attendance, but just because they are in attendance doesn't mean that they're bringing something to the health and the well-being. So while you are here, while you have taken the trouble to be here, I want to ask you, bring who you are. And have, have this confidence that God placed me, God planted me in this house, or God placed me in this body, or God is building me as a living stone into this house, into this spiritual house, because I have something of value, and that something of value is Jesus. The same Jesus that saved me is the same Jesus that saved you. The same Holy Spirit that resides inside of me is the same Holy Spirit that resides inside of you. The same Holy Spirit that can dispense a gift of the Spirit is the same Spirit that can do it through you. But we've got to come with an attitude. We've got to come with an attitude, not firstly, I want to get. What does the Bible say? What is, how do we position ourselves to receive? It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Look, seek, and you will find. So there's always this thing that we need to be generous with who we are. And I'm not talking, I'm not warming you up for the offering. But there's got to be a generosity of who you are. There's got to be a generosity of your time, a generosity of, of your talents, of your gifting, of your call, 
a generosity of with everything that you are. Because when I do that, the body of Christ benefits. And it says in Ephesians, it says, when we start acting in this way and each body part becomes and starts functioning, then it says, what happens in that moment, it says, when that happens, is that the body builds itself up into Christ, who is the head. So tonight I want to say to you, I don't know how long you've been saved. This has got nothing to do how long with you've been saved. This has got nothing to do how holy you think you are. I want to say to you, if God adds you to this house, because God thought, man, that man, that woman, that child is going to be so good for this body. And they have something that they also need in this body is going to be so good for them. I think if we, I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'm looking for the quote. I, I heard that he said it once, but I can't find it. He, but he alluded, he said, the 99% of the problems that we have with church is because we don't understand what the church is. If we truly understand who we are, if we truly, truly understand who God has made us on the earth, the only thing that He is building and is advancing the kingdom, and what does He use? He uses primarily these ecclesiastes. These called out ones, you that have, call, have been called out tonight out, out of your home to gather in a hall for a very specific purpose, to sing forth His praises, to fellowship together, to receive word, to receive encouragement for people to come back to God, to recommit to God. This is Ecclesia. This is the beauty of the body of Christ. And, and I don't have enough time, but I just want to, I, I, I want to finish by reading this, and it's, and it's from Genesis chapter 28, and I'm going to read a fair portion of Scripture. And it's Jacob, and Jacob left Beersheba, and he went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to the heaven. And behold... The angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder. And behold, there's that word, remember a while back I spoke on this thing, behold. There's an English word, behold. He says, pay attention, pay attention. You know, there was this ladder and he had this dream and angels were going up and down. And behold, look, look not just at the angels. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abram, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and said, now listen to his conclusion after seeing, after seeing a ladder with angels going up and down, the Lord standing over all of it, and the Lord giving him this amazing promise, the same promise that he gave to his grandfather Abram, to his father Isaac, the same, same promise he gives it to them. He wakes up, the Lord says, 
I'm, what I said to your parents and to your grandparents, I'm going to say the same thing to you. This is a transgenerational thing. It's not just one family. It's generations that the Lord wants to work with. And he says this thing. Listen to what he says. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now, I don't know about you. Jumping from a ladder with God and a promise to the Lord is in this place. This is the house of God. And not just the house of God. This is actually the gate to heaven. This is, this is where heaven meets earth. This is where there's transaction. This is where there's, there is ministry, where there's transaction, divine transactions. Like this, this evening when, when these couple of people came out and say, I want, to recommit, I, I want to recommit my life to the Lord. There was a divine transaction. It was, it was not just Eugene thinking, okay, we should make an altar call of some sort. It was something that was led by the Holy Spirit, and God was speaking. It was like that ladder, that communication was coming from heaven to earth. Come, my sons, come, my daughters. If you've wandered away from me, come back to me. A word went out, come whoever's thirsty. You know, it's not just... It's not pulpiteering. It's, it, it, it's not pulpit techniques to get people to do stuff. It's, it's, it's the gate of heaven. It's where heaven connects with us. It's when we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And corporately, I mean, we can receive individually from the Lord. I, I believe that immensely. But I want to tell you there's something when we receive something corporately from the Lord. And when we bring what the little bit that we have and God starts putting together a greater picture than what you can ever have on your own. And the church becomes not just a gathering of people with a certain certain belief system or a certain set of beliefs or dogma or, or doctrinal theology, but it becomes a supernatural place where heaven touches earth. In this communication between heaven and earth. And dare I say, and it's something that we, that we sometimes want but feel strangely funny about, that angels actually dispatched to the church from heaven to minister to saints. This is what we are gathered to. This is, this is, what we are planted into. This is what we are added to. This is what God connects us to. This is what God wants us to interact with. This is what God wants us to give ourselves to. The house of God. The gate of heaven. It's not about attendance. It's not about how full we can get this hall. It's not about how many people we can get on a men's camp or a women's camp. But if we realize, if we realize the beauty that the creator of all creation looks at you and looks at something that he died for, a bride he died for, and he said, I want to take you and I want to take her and I'm going to settle them in this family. They're not going to flourish in that family. 
but they're going to be perfect here. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that a precious thing? Isn't that something that kind of warms your heart? That's what it means to be planted. Because God does not want to limit you. God wants you to grow. God wants you to flourish. But that means that you've got to not just attend. But you really, you can really be part of this place. You can really be part where you, where you give what you have. Even if you're working. You know, every family need, needs a couple of weird people. Even if you're a little bit quirky and left field. And, that's fine. That's fine. Don't let that stop you from being who you are and bringing to the family what God wants to put in this family. Now, God has placed us in Shofar Wellington, which is, I think it's the best family for me. Amen? And, you know, there are other people in Wellington that's in other churches, and for them, their family is the best for them. We're not competing against one another, but they shouldn't be in our family. They must be where God added them. And if God has added you here, I want to ask you, I want to implore you tonight. I want to really plead with you tonight. If you want to flourish and grow, give yourself. Let your first, let your first motivation for attending any meeting. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.